You're listening to Wins Above Fantasy, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network, with Van Burnett and Steve Giswelli. Welcome back, everybody. It is Wins Above Fantasy, episode 121, after the longest wait, possibly, in the history of the show. From episode to episode, we got a great one ahead where we are doing our 2023 review in terms of bold predictions and the WAF special, the chalkboards, where Steve and I really put pen to paper on the guys that we are targeting and fading for the season. Uh, It's a great opportunity to not only go back, look at the scoreboard, Steve, see how we did, but also, of course, take the time to talk about the players themselves, what we think. You know, is it is it a player we're targeting for next year or are we out for good if if we miss the mark? So overall, excited to talk about it. We are recording this Monday night, so technically there could be a World, Se- a World Series winner by the time this airs, Steve, on Thursday. But uh, long overdue, man. It, it's been a long hiatus and it's good to be back talking baseball with you. How's it going? Yeah, yeah, it's it's been a while. I know... Um... We usually just have like a two-week break, uh, or, or you know, go a week between episodes in the off season. But you know, some some transitioning as far as like producing and everything like that, and and, and hosting. And I don't want to go into too much de- details and bore you guys with uh, what's going on in the inner workings behind the scenes uh, and inside baseball, pun intended. But uh, it's good to be back. Yeah, man, it, it's. I feel like uh, I want, wanted to catch up more as we were talking pre-show. It's it's been a while. It, it's 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 it doesn't feel right going this long without talking to you, uh, both about baseball and just life in general. So it's good to be back. Glad to be doing this again. And I know how excited we are about getting into the prep and starting to look ahead. Um, and we talked about it a bunch, basically from like the last month of the season too, but. This is a great show, and, uh, you know, we always preach that we want to actually have some accountability and and review and try to get better uh, at what we sort of planted our flag with. I know bold predictions is a bit of a different game in the fact that, you know, you're trying to be bold and not necessarily be fully right, but there's still a process, right? I think we talked about that a lot on the actual episode, like how these could be – how the process to get there – for your bold predictions is almost more important than the actual predictions itself. So uh, excited to, to recap and then and then get in the groove of the offseason and start to look forward. But, you know, uh, to, to look forward, you got to first look back, right? Uh, I don't know. There's some, like, proverbial yeah, yeah, fortune uh, cookie yeah, something. Exactly, or other. Exactly, yeah. No, it's great. And I, I think uh, the history of the show, I, I do sense, Steve, that the industry has gotten a lot better when it comes to this. But early on when we started, I know we were we were talking about how we really wanted accountability of when, you know, not only the victory laps, but also when we missed badly and we've laughed about them in the past, but that you also should own that as well. I do feel like I hear that more these days, which is great. But that's kind of what started this. And now we're three years in on basically having this, this scoreboard show. And it's a lot of fun. And it also kind of having to live with the misses and all of that makes it that much more exciting when we're making our picks for next year. So without further ado, uh, I, I think we've got to talk through the bold predictions and there's a lot of them, Steve. But uh, in general, we've talked about how you really only should be getting about 10% of your bold predictions, right? So that that would be one out of 10 uh, is kind of what you're aiming for. Otherwise, you might have to call in the question whether or not they're bold enough. Well, let's start with with one that's very noteworthy, and that is, is Mr. Shohei Otani. For you, your bold prediction was AL MVP and Cy Young. So you kind of had to add that little extra there. I guess him being the MVP wouldn't quite be bold enough. Uh he should win MVP, right, Steve? But, I would think so. I would think so. Yeah, I think that's smart money. But then the Cy Young, the wheels came off a bit with, uh, you know, the the injury, knowing he's going to miss all next year as well from a pitching standpoint. That said, Steve, I do think there's there's a spiritual victory in here for you because I don't know that he was on pace for Cy Young or anything like the, the season that Garrett Cole had was pretty in, insane, but... 
Um, 167 strikeouts over 132 in a year where ratios went back in terms of the, you know, the great season we saw last year. We saw the that the mean ERA and the mean whip move quite a ways back. Otani had a 314 ERA and a 106 whip, both really, really good. Um, so, yeah, I think spiritual victory. But now I'll, I'll focus on the hitter version of Otani for next year. So, uh, yeah, not sure if there's any anything you want to add here. But I think of the list, this was one that leaned closer to right, even if it wasn't technically a hit. Um. Yeah, uh, he started off the year really, really great on the mound. Um, not that any part of you know uh, 132 innings of a 32 percent strikeout rate with a 3.14 ERA is is bad, but there was some regression from last year in the fact that the walk rate jumped back up over 10 percent. That was a four percent increase. Strikeout rate went down a little bit. It was 33 percent the year before. Um. Left on base went down a little bit. Homer and fly ball went way up from 9.3% to 16.7%. So there was some, like, skills regression, too. The swing strike rate dropped uh, two points, too. Um, so, you know, th- there was some regression as far as, like, the underlying metrics as well. Um, obviously, the ERA up, went up, you know, 0.8 runs. But a lot of that, I think, had to do with Probably the fact that he was pitching hurt before, uh, you know, that he was fully shut down from pitching and had what isn't Tommy John surgery. That's important to note about, um, you know, projecting Otani for for the future. Uh, There was some very cryptic like Instagram posts and tweets or whatever and press releases from his agent that he had a, you know, a procedure and they didn't specify what procedure it was, but they were some vague comments about leaving the door open about potentially pitching within like the next year. Um, the speculation is that it was an internal brace procedure, which is, you know, an hmm. alternative to Tommy John. Um, so I think he may be pitching, even if it is in relief, which is, uh, another tough thing to do because if he's a hitter, how is he going to go warm up? Um, so that, that's, that's a conversation for another day. But I think that, you know, it's going to be hard to top basically the the calendar and a half year from like the start of 2022 to the all-star break of 2023 for Otani as a pitcher. Like if he, if he was going to win the Cy Young, it was probably going to be one of these two years. Um, who knows? Maybe, uh, you know, he's showing Otani he's a unicorn and maybe he'll come back and throw 180 innings of a two, three year area with a 33% strikeout rate again. Um, but it, it, even if he did stay healthy kind of is, is my long winded point of, he probably wasn't going to get there just with some of the regression that he has for the, for the Cy Young, but still, Hey, a, a valiant effort and probably as close as we'll ever, ever come until, you know, he comes back better than ever when he does come back from, from injury. Yeah, I mean, it was a, a very bold, bold prediction, um, and it was oh so close. I, I mean, he'll finish, I, I, he'll finish top yeah. 10, right? Maybe top five for Cy Young, I would think. Yeah, I mean, he'll, he'll be in the discussion, so it's definitely there. Um, and then, yeah, I actually had missed that it was not TJ, so that is interesting. Yeah, um, it's it, it was very sketchy, so it was hard to, hard to miss, and... and who knows if they actually, you know, I could, it could be a thing in spring training. They come out and say, oh, yeah, by the way, it was Tommy John. But yeah, usually well, um, they, no they, they specify sure. that if it was, but I, I don't think it was. I I think, uh, Steve, I know in a couple of shows we're going to have our uh, our too early mock draft that's now in the books for mm-hmm. all you guys who, who know the, the show. We cite this a lot, but it's the, the pitcherless staff mock draft where we all hop on a, a episode with Nick Pollock and he grills us on our picks and we get the uh, seal of approvals, all that fun stuff. That draft has been completed. You've had your show with Nick, but it hasn't been released yet. Mine's coming up. You and I will break it down as well, but I do have this up just in the background as as kind of a discussion tool for us. Quick side note on Otani. Were you surprised, even as a DH, that he went very last pick of the first round? I thought we were much higher on him being like a, a top three pick 
for for I, hitter only. I think the the injury leads to some of that. Um, it was a two. It is a two util league, too. So that, in theory, you would think that he, it, it wouldn't be as big a deal that he is util only. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's another thing. Like, and it depends where he signs and what his contracts like. Like, I could see, like he played outfield a bit the the before the Otani rule, right? I could see him like playing a few games in the field if he's not pitching to try and like provide some more value and and just yeah. do the amazing things that Otani does. Um, I'd be all over it at 12. So, I'll say uh, that. Yeah, I, I yeah. Agree. yeah, I agree. I think that was that was th- there's a lot of guys that went in the back end of the first round and the early second to like even the mid second round. That we'll get into, but it's like wow, that's uh-huh. that's a great that's a first round pick at at the end of the draft or or the end of the first round or, or middle of the second round. There's, there's, it's deep, essentially. Yeah. Well, a uh, guy who went, uh, let's see, I think at about 115 in that draft is one I was I was very high on coming into last year, which was Vinny Pasquantino. I had Vinny P listed as a top 10 hitter in OBP leagues uh, per the Rasball Player Raider. And unfortunately, Vinny P... Uh, missed most of the year, just played 61 games. He was pretty underwhelming during that time. Couldn't really get it going. Uh, 247 average, just a 324 OBP, a 761 OPS. So was not seeing the the pop to the extent that we wanted to. But um, yeah, I mean, the walk rate's still good. He still doesn't strike out a lot. It's just uh, he got injured for the season, and that'll make it very interesting to see what happens. Steve, you're going to have to tell the story because notable that he tore his labrum in his right shoulder on June 10th for the Royals to miss the rest of the season. And then the uh, tweet you sent me tonight. Yeah, uh, he just tweeted out he was, you know, looked like he was doing like a creative player in Madden and he was the quarterback for the Jets and he got a notification that he tore his labrum and was out for the season. So there's a funny <laughs> screenshot that Vinny Pasquantino tore his labrum out for the year. Uh, that came up in, in his uh, off-season gaming, which is hilarious, but also kind of sad. And I, I hope that and think that there is a top 10 hitter in OBP leagues uh, still in there somewhere. And with that depressed draft price, uh, it could be a good buying opportunity. Yeah, I think so. Like I said, in, in the uh, mock draft, he went, I think, 115 in that range. And... Uh, oh, let's see. So eight rounds. Yeah, just outside of the, the top 100, which I think I would probably be in on yeah, that. Yeah, first um, baseman falls off a cliff. So It does. Uh, yeah, it, that was a, a big lesson learned from the mock draft. So I yeah. um, can see him hovering around there, even though it doesn't seem too, too cheap. But it could be a good middle round first base option. Uh, Steve, go to your next one because this one, uh, again, was close, but no cigar. Uh, yeah, I, I put my eggs in Otani and Judge as my first two picks. A real bold, Steve, yeah. Way to go. <laughs> um, but the bold prediction was that Judge would hit more homers in 2022, 2023 than he did in 2022. Uh, he did not. He missed a lot of time, which is um, part of the reason why Judge is one of those guys that falls to like the middle back end of the first round it could be a good value um he hit 37 homers which paced out to 55 if he played 157 games um from last year so not quite the 62 but pretty close um pace wise um but yeah he was limited to just 106 games um but i think if you remember that pace i know it's hard to, to play the pace game we sort of caution against that um i think that you know, it's it's a bit safer because, or not safer, but it wasn't a soft tissue. It was a it was more of a a freak injury where he ran into the wall in Dodger That's Stadium right. with that yeah. weird fence um, and hurt his toe. Um, didn't need surgery, which I think is a huge positive for him. Um, so I, I, I'm probably more bullish on Judge um, than others. Uh, unless, oh, every you know, every right too, man. You know, twenty seven percent barrel rate. Yeah, like that is just insane. Even with some like average regression, there won't be the steals like 
he's the and and the other guy who could probably do the same sort of homer and average combo that he does, maybe with a little more average, is also a guy that is always hurt too. That you have to bake into a lot of time in, in Jordan Alvarez. So, um, you know, Judge has put together a, a a full season more recently than Alvarez too, right? Alvarez missed a bunch of time this year as well. So, um, I I really like Judge uh, if he falls to even like you know pick seven, eight because the talent is one overall. We saw it just last year. Yeah. Okay, well, moving right along, because, yeah, I love love Judge. I would be more than happy to, to get him around. I think I got him at nine in our, uh, in our mock draft. Yeah, and uh, I'm uh, not sure. It'll be interesting to see if you have to grab him there. Like, I think there might be people. You think? I, 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 I think that if there's anything, it might go up, you know, if he's fully healthy in spring and everything like that. I mean, if just to tease it out real quick, I, I, I think that Otani will go in front of Judge in most drafts. Is really? my guess. Interesting. I mean, yeah. he's coming off like 45 and 20 and hit 310 or whatever it was. And who knows like, how much the, you know, down the stretch, Otani did cool off a little bit with the bat too. And who knows how much the injury played into that. Like if he doesn't have to worry about pitching at all, like does that help right. his bat? Right. You know? Yeah. I think they're, they're basically both a, a good bet to get 60 homers plus steals it's just yeah, judges yeah. will look a, a certain way compared yeah. to his and they're both 300 and five. yeah 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 and then i think it comes down to health which kind of similarly uh, i guess maybe position is a slight bonus for judge but i think <sighs> otani's got that for, for the health if he plays just gh that's better right yeah it's better yeah. and it's otani like who doesn't yeah. want to roster so they might be real close but yeah um that would yeah, be interesting. Anyway. That would be interesting to see. I, I'm one. Uh, I, I we gotta like make a mental note to see like where does Otani versus Judge ADP finish? Uh, yeah, for 2024. Yeah, for sure. Maybe we do uh, like mine a, is... a, a Welsher and uh, you know in this league the player debate. Like uh, we'll each pick a side or something like that. Ooh, to, you know, I like it. Steal a topic like idea from them. Yeah, I, ADP I would, I would ADP love... battles. Yeah. Would love either one, both uh, about as exciting as it gets, uh, which segues to my not so exciting bold prediction, uh, which will come up in the chalkboard so we don't have to belabor it. But uh, Nico Horner finishes a top three second baseman. Um, and this one actually hit, Steve. This yeah, was this a, is a good a, one. A, the a the good one, one out of the 10. Uh, now, the only thing is on the Rasball player radar, he's technically fourth because Mookie Betts counted as a second baseman mm-hmm. and that was first but in my write-up the way i'm getting around this is as i was basically rattling off all these names and bets wasn't in there so i think if i would have counted bets i would have said top four that's what i'm saying anyway um that's I did fair like, that's fair i like that uh i mean if you go back and listen to our show six months ago steve not to to toot my own horn but it's about as accurate as it could be on Basically, that he's a 285 natural talent hitter, and he hit 283 this year. Horner, uh, he's not a zero in homers. He hit nine this year, which is what he's going to do. I said he's going to score a boatload of runs, hit and lead off for that offense. He scored 98 runs uh, compared to the 60 last year, so that was a- extra bonus, and that was still mm-hmm. just with 150 games played. And then I said he could steal 25 to 30 st- uh, uh, bases. And the environment really jacked that up. That's where it went up to 43 steals and only seven caught stealing, which is a really, really good clip. So Horner in kind of a boring way, but he's still just 26 years old, uh, put in a really, really nice season, um, which again, spoiler alert, it's it's on the bold predi- or the chalkboard as well. But on the Rasball player, uh, Rasball player Raider, he finished 36th overall. And that was enough to be the number three uh, second baseman as long as we're excluding Mookie. So, yeah, that was uh, the first first one I cashed in on. And I believe the only one was Mr. Nico Horner there. Despite the fact that there is that little caveat, and I'll give that to you because, you know, have you, you know, we, like, Betts was not projected to be a second baseman. Like, it was kind of, you know, injuries led to that. Like, it would, whatever. This is the perfect process for a bold prediction. Like, Looking at things that are, you know, 
you know, you, the, the Cubs were better, and he batted lead off. That leads to more runs. Uh, his career average, like that, was in mm-hmm. line. And you know, a stolen base guy with the the new stolen base environment that we were, you know, not to toot our own horn, but we were all over that and the fact that guys would run more. Um, that is the process for not only like the bold prediction, like sure you can get crazy and and predict things and have fun with it with bold predictions, but also for the chalkboard and 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 for target. Like this is how yeah. you should do it. This is a masterclass on taking a guy, finding reasons why you like him, finding reasons why he's potentially undervalued, and could yes. outproduce his his ADP. Like this is yeah, and I, this I is the way to do it. it. You're kind of saying it there too, Steve, but it, it reminds me not identical um, because that one exploded. But my my best WAF uh, call in the history of the show is the Marcus Simeon breakout year. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. the, the subtle reminder is that especially in that ADP like 100 to 140 range is upside can have different shapes to it. You know what I mean? It's not always going to be the – you know, the the second year post-hype sleeper that, that could go out and have a 40-40 season. Like, I think if circumstance and production and floor are all, like, factored in, that sometimes upside can look a little more like a Nico Horner. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's why this year I really like Vinny P. Um, and some of those names we'll, we'll get into all offseason. But, yeah, I think it's just a reminder that it doesn't always have to be Jazz Chisholm type of tools. Yep. For a guy mm-hmm. to really help you win, yeah, you know? that's great. That's a great point. Well, let's switch over to to you on on the toolsy one here because this, yeah, I mean, this one is about as uh, bankable as it gets on the bold prediction for you. Five guys with over forty steals. I mean, yes, it was bankable, but how many guys do you know offhand? Do you know how many how, had forty steals last year? Oh my gosh, um, I don't know offhand. I would guess it is. Nine, it was six. It was only six. Oh wow! Yeah, so a lot closer. Okay. Well, let me let me let me see if I can yeah. rattle them off. All right, let's, so, see, let's do it. Acuna Jr. Yep. Estuary Ruiz. Yep. One and two. Um. Then I feel like there's a, a drop off, but you got uh, Wit and Corbin Carroll. Yep. Three and four. There you go. And then, um, well, Nico Horner. He's six. You have one more guy at five. In between them, mm-hmm. um, Julio Rodriguez. Julio had 37, so he was, there was a bunch of guys with high 30s too. But um, oh man, can I get a position? Yeah, too? shortstop mm-hmm. in the National League. Shortstop in the National League, and it's not. It's Ellie didn't play long enough for that. Yeah, 35. He? he got close. In 98 Gosh. games, Ellie had 35. Oh man, a- another a-, a few years earlier, but he was a top prospect. Um, was recently traded. Oh, is it Trey? No, no. Um, still, you know, I, I believe he was a rookie still eligible this year. Uh, maybe not, but close to it. Was traded from the Padres. So similar path to Trey Turner. Why am I blanking on this? Uh, uh, I'll end your misery. It's C.J. Abrams. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. he had 47. Yeah, yeah. 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 Your boy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 47, holy smokes. Okay. So you barely got this. Though. Yeah, yeah. Kill. It's like yeah. total steals. Yes. Yeah. And like Ruiz and Acuna and Carroll were there for a while and it was like, all right, Witt's going to get there. And like finally like Abrams and Horner got there. But it, it was definitely, it, it looked like it was a lock earlier on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm sure over, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm sure over time um, as pitchers adapted to uh, the new rules steals went down a little bit throughout the season. I would just imagine that's the case. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, so I could just be talking out of my butt right there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, there was... It, like, we were kind of like... Like, the thing in the off season was, like, who's going to steal more? Are the two steal guys going to go to five? Or the are the ten steal guys going to go to 20? It was just like... It was kind of just like the people who ran... Ran... 20% more, right? Like, just all uh, all over, you know? Like, Acuna, if he was a 40-steal guy, like, he's yeah, you know a, a rare case, but he got 30 more steals than that, right? Um, 
Which you isn't know. how it was built. Remember, no, everyone was no. like, oh, it's going to be the eight steel guys are going to get up to 15. No, it wasn't. It was like guys who wanted to run more ran a lot more, essentially. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I, I personally love it. I hope it's here to stay. I hope it's not something that like guys figure out how to prevent it. I mean, it's really hard because... With two pickoffs, you essentially have a, after two pickoffs, you essentially have a free steal because you can't hold the runner on. Um, so it, it, it was great. I'm glad the steal is back. And they were seven, uh, 18, 30 steel guys, which yeah, that's nuts. That, that's, that's that's the more impressive number than the six forty in my mind. Yeah, and I think next year it, it's that it, this number is going to go up. Because you got guys like Tatis, Turner, like I, I just could see it. And then there were a, a good amount of guys that were flirting with it, like you talked about with J-Rod. Young Kim had 38. If Ellie played a full season, he's 40. So I yeah, guess if Ellie, I could if see Ellie plays a full season, he could be like Acuna numbers. Like he had 35 and 98 games. And, you mm-hmm. know, he, he only got on base, uh, you know, 30% of the time, he had 300 on base. So if that goes up a little bit and he plays you know, full season, there could be crazy, crazy steal numbers. Yeah, Here I am uh, falling in love with uh, L.A. Same with Josh Lowe. Yeah, 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 Josh Lowe, if they ever uh, yeah. could take the shackles off and give him full run there. He had 32 and like yep. 200 less at-bats than anybody. Yeah, um, crazy. Okay, well, we'll be here all night, so let's keep, keep rolling here. <laughs> Uh, with the the rest of our bold predictions, but we're going to take our first ad break and we'll be right back. All right, so Steve, uh, another one I'm kind of uh, self-crowning a a spiritual victory, but it was a definite miss to be sure, was Max Muncy top three in in National League in the home run category. Uh, He did hit 36 homers, same as he did a couple years ago, uh, but one less than I had predicted and... He finished eighth in the National League behind uh, really a lot of sluggers with Matt Olson, Schwarber, Pete Alonso, Acuna, Marcelo Zuna, Mookie Betts, and Austin Riley. So a good output for Muncy, kind of a bounce back, but the the average was pretty woeful, kind of feeling like a poor man's uh, Schwarber in a way. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a miss for me. Um, let's see, if you want to go through... Yours, I, I guess just we'll do two for me real quick. Uh, Gossman outpitches Garrett Cole. It looked good for a minute, and, and Gossman did have a good season. He had a better K rate than Garrett Cole, but Cole's volume and Cole's ratios were almost un, unmatched all across the board. Um, so, yeah, that one did not work in terms of the Rasball player rater. Uh, I also had Taylor Ward as a top 10 outfielder. That was... A big L in that category. Um, but, yeah, those are a few more of mine. Uh, I'll turn the turn the mic over to you if you want to go through some of yours. Yeah, I ended up thinking Max Muncy was was a good call just as a value overall. Like He was essentially like what the projections said he was and brought his average up like a lot towards the end of the season, a lot being like from like 190 to like 210 uh, that he finished mm-hmm. at, right? Um, 212, yep, yep. 212, so much more palatable than when he was below the Mendoza line. Um, and there were some really, really hot stretches for Muncy that, you know, um, probably carried you, and the 36 homer is super valuable and probably could have been a top three in other years. It was just, uh, you know, it seemed like uh, the ball was flying a lot more than it was in 2021 or, or 2022, um, for that matter, this year. Um Gossman, it was looking great for a while, and then he was pretty rough down the stretch, rough and like ace standards. Yeah, had some um, blow ups for there sure. There was some some blow ups for sure, um, but you know, I think at the All Star break, like Gossman was definitely considered a Cy Young favorite and was out pitching Garrett Cole. Cole just kind of kept it together for the whole year. Um, Taylor Ward, yeah, it, as soon as he started to go get going, he then had that injury. Um, there's stretches in there where Ward does look like he's a top player, but um, there's been injuries, some inconsistency when he hasn't been playing. So um, unfortunate there, but um, overall good processes, I think, and 
Gossman was really, really like it's hard. I, I, he did stumble a lot down the stretch, but he was really, really good for the first like three and a half months of the season. I know that doesn't count for much, but uh, yeah, he yeah. he was out pitching Cole for a good portion of the season. Yeah, your memory serves the the first half splits for Gossman a three oh three ERA yep. and a one thirteen. Uh, whip and during that time had 153 Ks over 116 <laughs> innings, so yeah. he was he was dialed. And then uh, yeah, second half went the wrong way in every category, maybe most of all in strikeout rate. So yeah, that was the biggest be something concern to for look sure. Into. Yes, yeah. definitely, definitely. Interesting. Uh, Any ones from your list, Steve? You wanted to yeah. highlight? I know they got kind of ugly as we got farther they down did. the list. They did, and this is kind of where the process sort of. I, I think I fell in love with guys too much rather than process. Um, like Lars Newport is a top forty player. Yeah, um, Hunter Green is an NL Cy Young. Like for that, I was just I was trying so hard to find that that pitcher in that range, as opposed to like letting the that pitcher in that range fall to me. Um, if that makes any sense, like. Mm-hmm. Taking the 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 high strikeout upside pitcher at value later on, rather than leaping a round or two to get Hunter Green because I think he has the highest ceiling. Um, you know, I I think you, you're good to target that group, but not necessarily target that play, a, a specific player, if that makes sense. Um, well, that's and I'm I try to avoid next year. I think one thing to add because we'll talk about green more later in the show, but it goes back to that process versus results. And honestly, Mm -hmm. like those two, especially between Reed Detmers and Hunter green, they flirted with it. You know, like the, the strikeouts were eye popping for both Mm -hmm. of them Mm -hmm. in enough games where it was like, it felt like just a tinker here or there or catching rhythm like there was a moment where like Detmers had 12, 12 Ks in a game and, and six innings and everyone was like, oh boy, it's going to happen. And then it just didn't. So as long as you're not like overpaying drastically on, on like draft capital, I think you're okay if like one year it's Shane McClanahan and the next year it's Hunter Green and, and you just miss. You know what I mean? Because yeah. when you do look at the the strikeouts, like – it looked so close. It just didn't. And, and we even said that about Green in, a, in in that podcast episode. As we said, it's it's going to be one extreme or the other. He's either going to be like a top fifty fantasy player, or it's going to look way in the other direction. Um, and it, we kind of saw that happen this year. Yeah, uh, and maybe there just needs to be something a little bit more than strikeouts too. Like you know, uh, Clan Hand works so well because he had you know, three or four pitches that were all awesome. Like green has an awesome slider and a fastball that he throws really hard that has bad shape and is, is super hittable. Um, so you kind of get blinded by, um, a strikeout upside. Uh, you know, there might need to be a little bit more there. Um, same can be said for, for Detmers there too. Um, but I still love that, group of of pitchers you know the the 10th round potential Mm -hmm. ace upside pitchers um but maybe not enough to specifically target one um and try and like you know get my name in highlights and being the shane mcclanahan guy you know before shane mcclanahan pops off um sort of let them fall to you and let uh you know the process um dictate that like mcclanahan was worthy of that because he had all of those amazing pitches. Like Green might not have been just yet. Not saying that he couldn't, he can't be, but there was more red flags essentially. I, I think it's going to be easier said than done for you, Steve. I think you're going to be yeah, all in you're probably on Kyle right. Bradish. Yeah, <laughs> you're probably right. You're probably right. But uh, I'll, I'll try and be smarter about it going forward. Yeah, maybe it's more. Yeah, maybe it's more about rotation construction than yeah. you know what I mean. Like exactly, if, if yeah. it misses on a bold prediction or on a chalkboard, yeah. like it's tough. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, mm-hmm. I, and honestly, so not to belabor the point, but I think it's a prime example of what what's good for a bold prediction versus a chalkboard pick. Yes, one hundred percent agree. I think Hunter Green is a great 
bold, bold prediction. prediction wasn't chalkboard. a great wasn't a great chalkboard pick. Not that's, a great that's, chalkboard. That's great. That's that's a great uh, yeah analysis a, there. Yeah. Yep. And then beyond this, I mean, the rest of these ones, guys. Just yeah, we so could kind of fire through them. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I had Christian Javier, a top five starting pitcher. Ouch. Uh, probably not a top. 500 starting pitcher. Uh, Brennan Donovan, Steve, you had a top 50 fantasy player. Ouch. That was an L. <laughs> um, although, don't don't look now. I think there might be some, you know, mm. r- rising from the ashes <laughs> vibes for Brennan Donovan. Uh, I had Randy Arozarena goes 2040. Unfortunately, he was like the only rabbit who did not run more <laughs> this year, as you were just talking about, Steve. Uh he 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 had 23 homers, so that part was true. But just 21 steals and got caught stealing 10 times, so eh, not that encouraging for what we were hoping with the base pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had Evan Phillips leads the NL in saves. While this was not true, he was eighth in the NL in saves. It's a it was good because at the time I don't even think he had the closer role. Yeah. Um. So and he also like play. for the first like two months of the season he was like not used as a closer at all. There was like a, a four week stretch or five week stretch where he didn't get a save. Um, I dropped him in my home league and then he went on to get a bunch of saves throughout the, the rest of the season. So extremely frustrating for me, but yes, a good process call. Yes. Yep. And then, uh, just to wrap these up here, I had that uh, Newt Barr and Donovan would combine for 50 home runs. They combined for 25. So quite a ways off there. Uh, you had Ryan Noda as a 2020 guy. Uh, he had moments, 16 homers, but just three steals. That was the for the that speed. one real quick. Like focus on a guy's strength. Like Noda's strength was power and OBP. Like you know, it, the 20 steals was just something that was a product in the minors and not really translatable. So um, if you're going to do something, you know, ha- have <clears throat> a better process as to what they could do well, which was get on base and, and hit home runs, which, you know, he did this year. So um, that would have been a good process for me. I predicted a rookie of the year who could neither get on base or hit home runs. It was Oscar Colas. Uh, I think he was fifth on uh, betting odds for AL Rookie of the Year. Uh, you can no longer even place a bet on him. It's it's a two sixteen average, five seventy one OPS. I don't know. Did, he, did he play enough to lose his rookie eligibility? You still might be able to next year. It might might jump back <laughs> in. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that he did, Steve. And then this one, this one absolutely. This is probably the worst one of all time. <laughs> just just writing this one killed me. That Steve had Jesse Winker at two eighty average with thirty bombs. He had a 199 average with one bomb, just the one homer. Uh, There is one one solace. uh, Shout out to Pat in my home league, who whose prep consisted of uh, taking notes from our podcast and like writing down Steve's positive mentions and Van positive mentions, and like had Winker on all of his teams. I didn't even have a chance to get any of any of the shares in the leagues that I'm in with him. So that is um, a huge positive. Yeah, at huge least positive. Uh, that blew up in his face with, uh, with my. Uh, I can't laugh that much because I I know for a fact on the show as I was right next to you and I was like, yeah, man, you we're only a year and a half removed it, from twenty four homers yeah, and a nine fifty OPS. That's, that's like a big lesson learned. Like a guy that didn't have that big of a track record, and not saying that Winker can't bounce back. He definitely can, but like someone that battled a bunch of injuries. Mm-hmm. doesn't have that long of a track record. Like, a lot needs to go right to put your eggs in that basket. And sure, it was a bull prediction. And, you know, you, that's the problem with bull prediction, too. Like, you can kind of use them as a cop-out. Like, no, I was just wrong on Winker, um, bull prediction or not. Um, but, yeah. well, you I need mean, a lot no. of things to break right. It's it's hard right. to. Um, it's bull, though. The, you yeah. don't, nobody's yeah. got the crystal ball. It's yeah. just it's hilarious that... The, when I when I saw the thirty homers, I had to go like check how close Oof. he got, and I did not 20, realize he literally had a single, away. a single one. Uh, and then I I had a uh, Kyle Tucker finishes one overall, um, and he finished eleventh, so that one was somewhat respectable. Thought it was interesting. Nick Pollock took him at uh, the number five spot in yeah. our mock draft. Yeah, I there was some good was... logic in, in the pod that I had. I won't spoil it, but okay. Um, 
But yeah, I, I think it makes sense. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we got bold predictions in the books. We are shifting over to chalkboard, which is really one of our, our favorite parts of the whole show. But we're going to say take our second ad break, and we'll be right back. Okay. So, Steve, uh, it was six months ago. It was about 30 shows ago when we did our third annual chalkboard predictions we streamlined them a little bit this year i think we did uh what did we do three targets three fades is that right i think so i think so yeah if our math's right yep um so yeah the the first year we did this for just some some waff history i believe um I had a great year and Steve had a poor year mm-hmm. and last year it completely flipped where Steve just everything he touched turned to gold. And I think I was like one for eight on my calls this year, Steve spoiler alert, I think might've been the best collective chalkboard year that we've had as a show. So why don't you start us out with uh target number one, who the guy was I, I, we've listed out here as kind of table stakes, the rule is you pick if they'll finish 20% above their ADP or behind their ADP, uh, according to the Rasball player raters. So, for instance, if you got a guy and his ADP was pick 100, if you if you had him as a target, he would have to finish in the top 80. Or if you had him in a, as a fade, he would have to finish in the top 120 or beyond. So that's kind of our rule every season. But Steve, uh, start us out with your first one, and uh, let's let's kind of roll through these. We got a little bit of time for each one, but uh, who was target number one? Yeah, a guy that I wish I got in a lot more leagues. Um, and looking back at it, it, it may not have been like the biggest draft value, like as far as like a guy that you pick up off waivers or or you know someone that goes in late rounds that provides top three round values, but. Matt Olson was a league winner in like the end of round two, middle of round three sort of uh, spot. And it's, it's hard to do that. Like a lot of those guys are kind of like your steady eddies and even Olson at times, like is like a two fifty forty 40 Homer guy, which is really good. But I mean, he was what he was need to finish 39 he well, was at, he was, his ADP, he was, was, at, ADP was 39, so he so needed to finish 32nd or lower, and he finished second on the player raider. So might be like, you know, as far as like a guy finishing where he finishes on the player raider, it's going to be hard to top, like unless you pick like the best player from somewhere way down. Like uh, Olsen was, was awesome. Um, that being said, I don't know if I can take him in the first round next year where I think he might go at the end of the first or early second despite how amazing he was this year. Yeah, the uh, the the 283 average, we knew it would come up from the 240, but we did not have it coming up that high. Yeah. Uh, the XBA was at a 263. Uh, that said, I mean, best barrel rate of his career. Yeah, the power is the 54 for, uh, homers. Like yeah. he's, he's probably a true, you know, 45. Absolutely, absolutely. Like I think you could pencil him for... 250, 260, 45 homers. The problem there, is, yeah, there wasn't a lot of luck, you know, with, with this. And you, the, you if you look him at to, the spray charts, dude, oh my god, yeah, you you need him to to hit the 280 with the 50 homers to be that great of a value again. Um, I just think it might be more of like the the 2021 Oakland 271, 40 homers, 911 OPS, which is still amazing, right? It's yeah. not the close to a thousand OPS. Uh, For sure. I mean, the only thing I'll add to it, and I'm, I'm probably with you that I, like pick nine overall is going to be a little rich for me probably, but I think he's the one guy that you, we, we typically stop at average homers and steals, but like if you look, he had 127 runs and yeah. 139 39. RBIs, dude. Yeah. That's yeah. like a whole Insane. nother player. That's Insane. a whole nother player. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, what two, two set two hundred seventy almost right two two seventy yeah. yeah two uh, two sixty four yeah that's that's two sixty six two sixty six so basically yeah. that's yeah insane I, I, I mean insane I I think that uh, 
I would grab Olsen at the front of the second round, but I sure. don't know that he'll be yeah. there in most yeah. leagues. So I agree. It's still age 29, so it shouldn't slow and down too much. And first, first base is, is pretty weak after the top, so maybe mm-hmm. it is worth it. Uh, my first target was also a success. Uh, Kevin Gossman, who we talked about, his ADP at the time was pick 65, so he needed to finish in the top 52 on the Rasball Player Raider, and he finished 36th overall. Uh, this was one thing I got very right in, in my 2023 because I had shares of Gossman all over the place, including my home league. And from from your advice, Steve, and even Nick's himself on uh, fading the earliest of starting pitching, Gossman was like a, a perfect flagship SP1 for me that I could grab in like the fourth mm-hmm. or fifth yep, round. Absolutely. And I would love to find that guy this year. I just don't quite know who it is uh, just yet. But yeah, Gossman, uh, PLV loved him, which I think is another learning that that hit luck for Gossman was like, uh, I think he was the number one unluckiest pitcher in terms of hit mm-hmm. luck in mm-hmm. 2022. So that is definitely something I'll be looking at this year because for at least Kevin Gossman, it looked really good. Um, I know they also really like Hunter Green, and that didn't work out as well, but I don't know that it was hit luck related. I think it was more the actual PLV uh, of of the pitches, pitches themselves. Yep. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like you said, Steve, very hot first half. Uh, definitely had some of those starts where uh, a lot of people suffered with those blow-up games. And Gossman was was no different. So yeah, I think he's still an SP one. If the price goes up, I, I probably won't be back in because I'm trying to find the the next one instead of paying early third round price for Gossman, which is where he went in our mock. So yeah, there's there's Gossman. We both started out one for one. Anything to uh, add on Gossman, or you want to keep it rolling? No, but a, a great another great process, right? Great pitcher target that went later than he should have. Um, you know, uh, there's there's a lot of ways to find pitcher value, and Gaussman is a great example of it. Uh, so props to you for that. Yeah, thank you, sir. And, and same on uh, on Olson. Oh, yeah, thank back, you. That's middle middle back of the third round. So yeah, that couldn't have worked out better. Yeah. Uh, so here's where we got a few wrong yep. in a row. So we'll we'll hold our nose and then go back to the good side. But Steve, why don't you start us out with a miss? Yeah, Bobby Witt. I'm the last guy aboard the Bobby Witt train. Um, I was concerned about the on base, um, you know, the, the average potential, uh, uh, that he hit just 250 last year. Um, and it kind of blew up in my face. Like those concerns really weren't warranted. Um, I think I got caught too, I got caught up too much in, numbers that don't matter for fantasy like i saw 98 wrc plus i saw a 722 ops which yes that matters for fantasy but what does that matter when you have 50 homers and steals in 2022 in 150 games like who cares um and sure the ops wasn't eye-popping but it was still 813 and that came with 30 homers and 49 steals so um I think I got caught up too much in the pitch, the you know, uh, the pitcher list player page, the Fangraphs player page, uh, and, and saw a ninety-eight WRC plus and was just blinded by that and couldn't get the fact, couldn't get around the fact that no leagues have WRC plus as a stat. Um, props to you if you do, um, but that doesn't really matter. Um, and he got better this year too. Like he cut down the strikeout rate, improved the walk rate a little bit, uh, bumped up his ISO. Uh, hit 276 versus 254 last year. Like, you know, um, you you sometimes, uh, it's a case of like overanalyzing and overworrying for me at this point. And, uh, you know, I don't think there's as plain of cases as Bobby Witt like last year for this year, but um, it's just something to to keep in mind and, and a lesson learned for me for sure. Yeah. And I mean, like you're obviously looking for floor, to some degree that yeah. early in a draft. So I, I think I was right with you that, um, you know, that wit was, was not a draft target because of the risk and, and kind of the sophomore slump and, Oh, if this happens or this, ha- like it wouldn't have taken much for him to 
go from, you know, where his ADP was 11 down to, I think on the show we said, you said that you had projected him to finish like 30th, which, you know, it's not like you, you were calling him a bust or yeah. anything. You just thought it was going to take a lot. And we also kind of laughed and you were the first one to say, like, I could be wrong in this. He could be a top five guy. And yes, he turned sick. around. He's buoyed so much by he's buoyed so much by the power and steals that there was so so little he needed to improve on so little basically like right like and he did it wasn't just a little bit of improvement it was it was a lot like he got on base almost thirty percent more like he slugged sixty points higher seventy points higher Um, so so there definitely was some gains. And there didn't need to be that much for him to even be that good because he had so many homers and steals so many bases. Well, just to, I know we'll talk all off season, but to, to put a bow on Bobby Witt though, Steve, he will be drafted in the middle part of the first round, which I know industry people are privy to that, but I just was hanging out with some of my home league guys and they couldn't believe that. They were like, what Witt is going like fourth and sixth and seventh. So are you going to be in at that steeper price this year? It's the power. It's the homers and steals. Like, that. that's why. It's mm-hmm. like a, you, you pencil in 30-30, essentially. Um, are, you, are you avoiding or are you in on it? No, I, 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 I don't. I don't. I, 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 I would be in on that, on that cost. Like, I would spend the fifth pick, I think, on, on Bobby Witt. I think that's fair. Yeah. And I think shortstop too is another definitely thing that like you know there's it falls off a little bit quicker than I remember last year being like oh there's like 15 shortstops like there was a big big drought like uh, drought in our draft from round six seven eight nine mm-hmm. there was only one shortstop taken over four rounds there was only one shortstop taken so. Uh, yeah, I think, a lot I of think, the hood improved too. Like he went from an eight point seven percent power rate to eleven point five. Hard hit rate went up seven percent. Um, contact rate went up. Chase rate went down. Like he mm-hmm. made he made a lot a lot of progress. He's and on, oh yeah, He's on top of that, he had thirty homers yeah. and fifty forty nine steals. Like yep, that's how you become yeah. a superstar. Yeah. So. Yeah, love it. Uh, my miss was Mr. Ozzy Albies, who I have just been in and out and in <laughs> and out my entire fantasy career on Albies. I cannot believe he's only 26 years old. Um, but good for Albies. I'm glad he, he shut me up. So he his ADP was at 51, so I needed him to be outside of the, the top 61 on the Rasball Player Raider. He finished 15th, 1-5 overall on the Rasball Player Raider. Uh, with a terrific season, he hit 280, 33 homers, 13 steals, and another beneficiary of the counting stats, 96 runs, 109 RBIs. Um, what I was poking holes in was the average because the past two years, he was basically uh, combined out across like 215 games as like a 255 hitter and was curious what would happen with the speed um, from a, a homer standpoint, the pr- the prior year he had eight homers in sixty four games. So I was like, you know, what if he's just a, a twenty homer guy with ten steals and he bats two sixty five? The Braves are getting so good around him that I don't think he was hitting in mm-hmm. the, you know the top third of that lineup. So those are all the reasons. I think the the process was okay, but again, good on Ozzy Albies, turned it around in a, a big way. Not only with the pop, with the thirty-three homers, and the barrel rate was was back up, but also with the average, at, like I said, at a, a two eighty. XBA was a little bit lower, but it was still the highest it's been since two thousand nineteen. So, yeah, I think um, good for Albies. I'm not sure I'm gonna be there for the mid second round price, um, but you know it, it depends. We'll, we'll see. Second base is a premium. Um, I just don't know that that's that's what i want to do uh with all those great bats going around him like again we'll we'll, we'll get into it all off season but if truly like pete alonso is going after albies i think i'm still having a hard time going albies over the polar bear um so yeah that was a miss for me and then uh steve's swinging it back to you if you want to add to albies or go through 
uh, your second target? Um, real quick on Albies, I think that like this is pretty close to his true talent. Like, I think he's a two seventy thirty homer, ten steal kind of guy, which is pretty good. And the fact that he's a th- not pretty good, that's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that he's on probably the best offense in baseball is going to lead to a lot of counting stats. Um, and yeah, his second base is a is a shallow position. Um, but hey, we say that about a lot of positions. So I, I I could see the second round cost for Albies, but I'm with you. I don't know if that'll be me taking him. Yep, that's that's fair. And we'll we'll yeah, and we and it, the off season's young, right? Yeah. So we've got a long time to look at like positional depth and all that stuff. But yeah, I think the early third round, I'd be interested. Um, Absolutely, yeah. With like an Altuve, uh, I, I like that type of range. I don't know if he'll make it there, though, just because it's the Braves. He's coming off such a good year. Yep. Uh, okay, Steve, your your second target. That's right. We did two targets, two fans. Yeah, so two give, targets. Give me your second uh, yeah, target. Yeah. Um, Hunter Green, again, um, kind of went into it in my bull prediction, but kind of just fell in love with the, 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 the upside, and it was the classic, you know, Yasmani Grandal second half hit, 280 stretch like I fell in love with that seven start stretch for green mm-hmm. at the end of 2022 um, and that's a dangerous game to play um, especially when there wasn't like an introduction of a new pitch or a new fastball fastball shape um, like green definitely is capable of going on these insane runs and I really do think that eventually an SP1 is going to come out of this but I don't know if that's going to happen until there is a third pitch, um, a better fastball, or better fastball shape to be more uh, specific <laughs> with that. Yeah. Um, and you know, the I, I overlook the part uh, the the home park green flag uh, or, or red flag um, green flag if you're a hitter hitting in uh, America Great American Ballpark. Um, so I, I was kind of blinded by the fact that like I wanted to be the Hunter Green guy this year and, and that, that shouldn't be the case. There should be more process than that. And, and, uh, got a bit too ahead of myself on Green and, and may not be in as much this year if he's around the same cost, but I'm not sure if he will be. Yeah. In our mock, uh, he went quite a bit later. Yeah. I don't know why I'm not seeing. Oh, 13th round at the yeah. start of the 13th round. So that's probably around pick like 150. Yeah. He was probably around that's, 100. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. yeah. Last year he was, he was going around pick 100 and 105. Yeah. Um, he's another splits one, Steve, where the first half uh, across 73 innings, he had 100 strikeouts with a sub four ERA. Um, the whip wasn't great at a 135. Um, and I guess that's the problem. Like his, And then, of course, it blew up in the second half, a 6.52 ERA and a 155 whip. That's brutal. But the, the walk rate went up a little bit to a 9.6%. I mean, it, it feels like there's that and just also being hittable. Um, Despite throwing 103, yeah. Yeah, there, there's a, there's there's a lot that needs to be fixed, yeah, and that should have been apparent last year, uh, and I was blinded by a, a small sample run. Hmm. Yeah, it's. I'm not out. I'm not out this year. Um, I'm I'm not as obviously. You got to take it into consideration, but I like that early signs are that people are, you know, moving him down the board quite a bit. You yeah. know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll see. But that's that was. I still think good process on the bold prediction. But like we talked about, the the chalkboard is calling for floor a little bit more. Yes, so agree. That was and that was mine, which we won't even spend time on. It was that that Nico Horner one, which we already talked about. That was one thirty nine. ADP needed uh, one eleven on that, and he finished thirty fourth on the player Raiders. So Horner was. A good boring call uh, that I had on a lot of teams. He definitely helped helped a lot of my teams just from a an accumulation standpoint. So I'm I'm kind of interested too, Steve. Like the the boring factor hasn't changed all that much for Horner. Like I know you can't put all the credence in the world on like that 
mock draft we do because it's also people picking guys that they want to talk about on the, the podcast with Nick and everything. But in terms of where Horner went, he was like pick 92 coming off a year where he he finished like 34th and just had nine homers. He barely got caught stealing. Like, I don't think you can look at his success on the base paths and call it a fluke or anything. And I think he hit pretty much the batting average that you should expect. Um, so I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like pick 92 would be an absolute steal for Nico Horner, given how shallow second base is. Like if Ozzy Albies is going in the second round, you're getting a seven round discount. You got the same batting average, uh, pretty much the same homers plus steals, if not more for Horner. It's just, it's, it's a, it's a discount in my opinion. Not that I wouldn't take Albies over Horner. It just seems like there's still going to be a value there if he's around 90 or a hundred, but put him on the chalkboard again. First ever back-to-back chalkboard picks. If he stays there, if he stays there, <laughs> I might have to. All right, hit me with your uh, your second fade, Steve. Um, not to be you know uh, hop on anyone's failures, but I, I'm I'm proud of this one. Uh, Jake McCarthy, uh, a steals only guy, being drafted uh, a round pick a hundred is is a a big no no for me. Um, I think mm-hmm. I said that like he could potentially be a guy that is sent down with how poorly he hits. And he was sent down at, at one he, point. He was, uh, he was, he was ADP was one fourteen. He finished one thirty seven or worse. He finished five thirty five. Um, so yep. I guess maybe bullet I need dodge, to be out on bullet dodge. Maybe I need to be out on Mysterio Ruiz next year, but I don't know. He's a little different. Like he could steal 70 bases alone and it doesn't matter if he hits like Jake McCarthy did. Right. If you still 70 bases, you're still valuable. Fantasy wise, and hey, McCarthy did come back and and steal a few bases. Like he was actually a good pickup um, after he was sent down and dropped probably in most leagues. Right, he finished with um, twenty six stolen bases um, in just ninety nine games. So th- there was some value there, um, you know. Uh, but you just had to pick him up after he was sent down, essentially. Yeah, yeah, and you know he might he might get a World Series. He, he was too, he so. was amazing in AAA last year. He had nine homers, fifteen steals, three sixty, four sixteen, five ninety four slash in forty five games for Arizona's AAA affiliate. He had ten ten OPS. So good for him to like fight back uh, for his playing time. Um, so yeah, and, and maybe he gets a World Series ring. Yeah, no, that's a good one. And that's, I mean, that's a pricey range as well. I know you called him like this year's Miles Straw. And it kind of was. And yeah. yeah, and it was. And you were on that uh, two years in a row that yeah. kind of that same, you know, seventh, eighth round territory where you're still very much building like the core of your team. You got to watch out for the booby traps. So mm-hmm. um, that's a good one there. Uh, mine was was also a, a hit by the book, but I don't think anyone is complaining too much if you had Adley yeah. Rushman. He was uh, ADP 63, needed uh, to finish set beyond 76 for this to, to work out, and he finished 111th on the player Raider. Uh, that said, he was a top two catcher in, after Wilson or William Contreras, and... Uh, there was quite a dollar drop off on kind of the the player Raider after Adley. So I think you were still happy with the value. There's a little bit of that catcher tax, as we all know, and that was baked into Adley's ADP. I guess if anything, this just might tell me if a guy hitting 277 with 20 homers and 160 runs in RBI gets you 111th on a five by five player Raider, like, Adley did everything he should have. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, and it, and it still was not. I think it's more of a knock value. on on the catcher position overall, um, right? Yeah. Then I think it just Adley did. It, yeah. yeah. Maybe just reinforces what we're saying of like you know don't don't especially invest too much. this year like going oh, back to so the pitchers mocks like there were so many catchers that were like undrafted like oh yeah I would take take this guy I never felt like that with catcher before. Like I, I was just waiting for like to take Logan O'Hoppy, um, yeah, yeah, and like he was just sitting there like towards the end of the draft. Sure, I know he has his his floors, his holes, and everything, and his flaws. Well, but. and 
and it's kind of a gentleman's agreement that I, I think you actually will see in draft rooms where it's kind of like all the managers are looking left and right if they don't have catchers mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, no, we can wait this round, right? We can wait yeah. this round. And then eventually mm-hmm. there's a catcher run. But that, that happens all the time in drafts. Like if there's a deep position pool, I think it's really possible that you – like because I got uh, Wilson Contreras in the 15th round – and I felt like I was considering him in like the 12th. And then it was just like, oh, no, nobody else grabbed a catcher this round. Nobody else grabbed a catcher. Mm-hmm. So um, I think those, yeah, it's definitely a year where we don't need to invest any more than we have in past years. So, um, yeah, rounds out the the chalkboard and the bold predictions for us, Steve. Um, we only did the two and two. Yeah. Well, let's, let's do a bigger one next year, like an our guys sort of full thing uh, yeah and we might need to split out the split the out the bull predictions or they overlap yeah, you know yeah there's an exactly, overlap exactly exactly yeah i like it well from here uh you you did the show with nick what do we what do we got next steve what's we got? uh i think we're gonna do uh we're gonna get into our uh we'll we'll, we'll break down the the mock draft ourselves right uh, is that is that mm-hmm. the plan um and that'll yep. sort of jump start I- us into into the off season yeah, I think we do that, and then uh, we're due on a pitcher's a pitcher's yeah. show. Yes, because uh, we did that good one on uh, hitters. Like, is it real? Is it legit? Second half breakout type of thing, which could be good for, for love pitchers it. So as well. that, that's a, a bit of the, the schedule there for the next two episodes. I love it. Yep. So we will be uh, back on our off season schedule of every other Thursday. Uh, just had some. Some back of house uh, podcast migration going on, so we should be back in the swing of things, uh, which will be good, Steve. I, I missed it, and it was good being back on the mic, dude. Yeah, great stuff. Happy off season. Uh, let's get to it. Start. Uh, yep. Start preparing to win our league in 2024. Yes, indeed. Well, thank you guys as always for listening. You can follow us on Twitter at WindsAbovePod. I am at Van underscore Verified. Steve is at Stav8818. Go out, give us a rating and review. Goes a long way. Uh, But for now, that is it for episode 121. Thanks for talking baseball with us, guys. Thanks, guys.